Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my grandpa, Mike. Um, my dad, Jared, has the night off. He's off in Hawaii uh, with my mom, so giving him the night off, well-deserved. Um, but we are the 49ers family. Okay, let's get going. So recapping the Panthers. Grandpa, how are you feeling? I feel really good, Josh. Um, it was a convincing win. It was an expensive one with injuries. Yep. But... Um, I mean, we really dominated the, the Panthers. In fact, the coach got fired the day after the game. Um, it was, you know, was a little Mosley's uh, pick six. Just once that happened, we were, you know, we had a, a good lead throughout yep. the game and won 37 to 15. Um, so... <clears throat> I, you know, not to be too critical, but I didn't like right at the end when we, we have big leads, the other team um, brings in their backup quarterback and gains yards and, it, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're fighting for the top defensive team and, and those yards kind of hurt you where the whole game we, we really held them down. Um, just some other thoughts is uh, Mooney Ward is what a, he has really made our defense. Amazing. I mean, the, the difference from last year to this year, we, you know, we had Norman last year who kept getting pass interference penalties and he was just done over the hill after um, Barrett got hurt on the, uh, the first game against Detroit. Um, and our pass defense was, I considered it weak. It was certainly our weak point and, and our opponents took advantage of that. Now signing Ward has really made a difference. I mean, it's tightened up all three levels yeah. and, you know, each game, the opponent throws long passes and they're batted away. So I really, really, really love Mooney Ward and, yeah. um, we just, you know, statistically had a really good game. Um, we converted seven um, of our 12 third down plays, which is really good. Uh, Jimmy had a great game statistically and, you know, uh, especially on third down. And our defense played very, very well uh, to become expected now. So yeah, it, it was a great game. And I, just two other quick comments. One, I was concerned going into the game because of our emotional win on Monday night against the Rams. And, you know, you don't want to have a trap game or a letdown. So I, I you know, I worried about that and that did not happen. Um, and let's see, the other one was, uh, Oh, we went into first place. So 
It was a perfect Sunday. We won in our three division opponents, the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks all lost. So it was a glorious day. So, yeah. It was awesome. No, great points, great points. And I'll, I, I, I totally agree with a lot of what you just said that it was really like a good day on offense, I would say. It wasn't a great day. It was, it was good, and it could have been bad if we didn't convert on the third downs, but both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel mentioned that for the last two weeks, what they've really been focusing on is the money down, is the third down. Um, and, and yeah, going seven for 12 is huge because Carolina only went three for 15. It really... Um, it does a lot for momentum, getting in a rhythm. And uh, I will say Jimmy is doing a good job not turning the ball over. Uh, really good job. He's getting the ball out. Uh, he's, he's keeping it once again around that two and a half second mark, uh, which is good for him and good for, for the defense. Uh, good for, sorry, the rest of the offense. Um, statistically, you know, who he's thrown to, I thought was actually pretty fascinating this game that George Kittle had the most targets. He was, was kind of on the lower side in the, through kind of the first four games, uh, but he ended up with five, tar five receptions for 47 yards. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, and Tevin Coleman, um, and Juwan Jennings, then Kyle Yusick, then Debo Samuel only had two receptions for 20 yards. Um, not, and he was, he was uh, you know, targeted nine times, uh, but you know, nice to see that we can still move the ball um, find the right guy, uh, not just our only playmaker, Debo Samuel. So I actually was encouraged by that, even mm -hmm. though I had Debo on my, on my fantasy team and I was hoping him to be a little bit more productive, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, it was good. And then I will also say, yeah, Mooney Ward, every single game he's making uh, a play, he's taking points off the board, um, matching stride for stride with their number one wide receiver. Um, love, love, love to see that uh, I, today, or maybe it's yesterday, Kyle Shanahan was asked in his presser about, you know, the risks of signing a free agent to a big deal. You, you hope that you get a home run. And he said, it's safe to say that we hit a home run with Trivarius Ward already five games in. He's made a difference. Like you yeah, said, he, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, he really solidifies uh, <clears throat> the defense. Um, on a down note, um, special teams did not play well. Oh. That was disappointing. I mean, we had a, a field goal blocked um, and uh, their return. Yeah, 200 came. yards, 200 yards in kick return yards. Yikes. Yeah. And we lost, lost Robbie Gold on one of the tackles because uh, their guy, Black, what was his name, Blackshear, um, he returned two of the kicks, you know, 40-something yards, and Robbie Gold tackled the guy and got hurt. Yeah. So, um, anyway, special teams needs to, we, we need uh, Bruce Snyder to, to get, get to work here. I know, I know we did. Have, we signed a kicker to the practice squad, squad Sam Sloman. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, and just in case, you know, Robbie Gold isn't ready for Sunday, he is probable or questionable. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how he's doing. I think they didn't obviously didn't want to put him in there. One, we were up. Two, 
um, you don't want to make anything worse than it, than it is. You want to be able to get it evaluated, get an x-ray or MRI, um, see what things are like. And I think that was a good call. It was kind of funny to see Mitch Wisnowski trying to attempt um, some, some field goals. And I will say on the kickoff, he actually did a great, great kickoff. Um, but that first uh, after um, point yeah, after yeah. attempt was so bad. And then the second one, he got it in though. So I'll give him that. Uh, he probably is not practicing that much. They don't practice. So they're not, you know, it's, it's all timing. It's, um, and Wisnowski is the holder typically. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, it's, it, it didn't matter. Um, but that's how vulnerable you can be. And, you know, it concerns me this week. I don't like when we have to substitute a kicker. Um, it just, you know, if the game's close and it comes down to the nitty gritty, um, I'd rather have Robbie Gold in there. So his injury, it, it's a contusion. It didn't sound that serious, although, you know, um, We'll see. And it's typical of the 49ers to hold somebody out an extra week. Right. And it drives me nuts, but I am always looking for perfection. So, yeah. Yeah. Good, good game. Um, and yeah, um, we're in first place. So, first place. I mean, two weeks ago it was gloom and doom. And now we're a game ahead in the NFC West. Yep. Yep. So let's talk a little bit more about some kind of like where we find ourselves uh, in, as far as the league goes, you know, with our, our record three and two, um, but the way that we are winning, the two losses seem to be kind of fluke losses. Uh, so in reference to the rest of the league, you know, we are skyrocketing up the power rankings and the majority of power rankings were now like five, six, seven, uh, right. which which I honestly would agree with. I don't think that we're top five. I don't think that we're after 10. I would say we're probably in that five to 10 range. Um, and given the status of who's playing, um, because we'll talk a little bit more about injuries going into the uh, game against Atlanta, um, you know, we can, we can play. We can play with anybody. I think our defense is going to, as we've mentioned, our defense will keep us in a lot of games. And the offense just needs to execute and not turn the ball over. I think that's a, a really big. Uh, really big one. Um, one point though is, you know, we've mentioned some of the metrics before of like defensive EPA uh, versus offensive EPA. And that's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Grandpa, it's like, um, what's the E again? E and then points against or I forget what it's for. But EPA, um, essentially it's talking about efficiency. I think it's efficiency uh, don't quote me on this, listeners. Efficiency plays on average or something like that. And so it's how well do you do if you're positive? So more than zero, like a 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, that's good. Obviously, if you're negative, that means that you're, le you're less than average or kind of lower than the 50th percentile. And comparing the two, um, so using like the offensive EPA on the x-axis and defensive EPA on the y-axis, we are in the top right quadrant, which is where you want to be. And the, the other teams in that top right quadrant are the top teams in the league, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, um, and us. 
And then closer to the middle, so these, these means that they're just barely over the hump, are actually the Jaguars and the Patriots. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But, but we are in that kind of top tier, if you will, with, with, the, with those teams. And I think that's, that's um, something to note. And that, that means that both the offense and the defense are taking care of business, which is great to see. Yeah, there's so many metrics now um, in all sports. It, it does get confusing. It does. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we, we, we have climbed the power <clears throat> rankings. And I mean, it's just an opinion, somebody's opinion. But um, yeah, we're, we're on the upswing and getting stronger and stronger. So um, I'm very encouraged, very yeah. happy. Yeah, I remember at the beginning, our preview show, you thought we could even go four and four in the first half of the season. And I went, oh, no. You know, well, that's starting to look like um, a reality or, you know, I didn't expect to lose to the Bears and I didn't expect to lose to Denver. I didn't know that we'd beat the Rams like we did, but um, yeah, we, so the first half of the season and we're kind of coming to that now, mm -hmm. um, five games on the road, three at home. That's a big thing. So the second half of the season will be the flip-flop of that. We'll have lots of home games right. and um, lesser opponents. So um, anyway, we're doing very well. We are doing well. At three and two. We are. It's, a, it's an optimistic three and two. Definitely helps, like you said, that the rest of the division lost. So uh, right. everybody else, you know, we have a game on everybody, which is fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about more injuries kind of going into that Atlanta game. So Atlanta, uh, it, which you know, I feel like we have a lot, a lot of kind of historic games against Atlanta, especially in the playoffs or close to the playoffs that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but, you know, the, the game itself uh, is another East Coast game. It's an early kick. We got spoiled with the late kick, which I think was great because we had to travel that week. This time they're staying once again at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Um, and this one's an early kick. It's a 10 a.m. Pacific time um, kick in Mercedes-Benz um, Stadium. Uh, it's a dome, so the weather really isn't an issue. Uh, San Francisco leads that all-time series, uh, 48 games to 32, and there was one tie in there. Uh, last year, we did play the Falcons, and it was similar, almost similar to the score against the Panthers. We beat them 31 to 13, so a pretty, pretty good one. The line opened at um, favoring the, the Niners by six and a half, and it has since moved to five and a half, which I thought was interesting. Um, but overall, you know, Let's talk about some of those those factors leading into the game, starting with our own team, um, our beloved 49ers. Uh, what do you what do you think, Grandpa? What what are what are the injuries or players with injuries that are are of note to watch going into this game? Well, it's you know through the whole Shanahan regime six years now, we have always been one of the leading. Uh, in the top 10 uh, as far as injuries is concerned. And so I, I had hoped this year that that cloud would pass and we'd mm -hmm. have a, you know, a very light injury list. 
Um, and that's not been the case. We are losing a starter, a, a game, and sometimes more. Mm -hmm. um, technically, today, um, which is Wednesday, our whole defensive line didn't, our first string defensive line didn't practice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so it's starting, the injuries are, are very concerning. Um, there's just too many of them. And we have, you know, we have a great starting uh, cast and, and a good, you know, a lot, of, a lot of backup on the defensive line, but, um, you know, Jimmy Ward, he played one down. And yeah, broke he, his hand. They, they said he actually got hurt. He broke his hand on the the kickoff, uh, right. on the kickoff return, and then he didn't. He he like didn't want to believe that he actually broke his hand. So then he tried yeah. to play a play and like went to wrap up or grab a guy and couldn't grab, and he just said ah, and he went to the sideline. They evaluated it and said, yeah, you, you probably broke it. Unbelievable! Yeah. What the. Jim, um, he was the number one draft pick years ago. He's one of our older senior players now, but um, he was, Jimmy Webb was uh, a number one draft pick and he has gotten hurt a lot throughout his career. Some guys are just that way. Um, but when I watched Jimmy play, he really plays hard and he hits really hard. Um, and so that's probably one of the reasons he gets hurt so much. But um, they're going to see and make an evaluation whether he can play or not. And there, there's belief that he can. And he probably will miss very likely the Atlanta game. But he very likely couldn't play in the Kansas City game. Yeah, I saw so, that too. They have to wait 10 days. He had surgery yesterday. Um, and they have to wait 10 days to evaluate if you can play with a club. Um, they are welcome to that if they can get clearance um, to play with the club, uh, which you would think that he could, uh, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. It would be great to have him back, even if it's just, just for depth. I mean, you never, you just, just for giving, you know, Hufanga and Gibson that have been playing lights out. We've talked about that plenty on the show. Um, but even just to give them depth and Jimmy Ward's presence on the field, leadership, as you mentioned, he is one of the more tenured players um, uh, drafted before John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over. So uh, it would, would be great to have him back for the Kansas City game. Um, other, other one that is a huge, um, huge injury slash we'll see how much of an injury it is, is Nick Bosa. He, he held himself out, said that he was, he was feeling something in his groin. He didn't pull it yet, um, but even about to pull it, he, uh, and, and I listened to a podcast they were talking about, um, probably because his brother, um, Joey Bosa, is actually having mid-season groin surgery, misses, is going to miss eight to 10 weeks. Uh, he probably is trying to prevent that. He's exactly. close to his brother. He does a lot. He works out with his brother in the off season, talking to him. Um, so he's probably trying to prevent that from happening. And so this week, you know, they're just really focusing on physical therapy, what they can do to, to you know, rest him, get that groin right. And he's questionable for, for this week against Atlanta. Um, 
you know, we are banged up. The other other ones, uh, what are the other ones? I mean, we know what we know already knew about. You know. Well, we we have the lingering ones. Uh, Eric right. Armstead, you know, he's got this foot injury that either is corrected quickly or can linger forever. Right. Um, and um, and then of course um, we we lost number four and i know that was a bit that was a big 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 that's for the season and emmanuel mosley was playing great as we mentioned previously got that pick six uh he was really playing good this year and it's really it sucks for him just this is a contract year for him last year of his contract so he's you know here to prove himself to get that next contract now he's got a get his acl repaired and rehab from that we all know that it takes really about 10 months to get back to 100 percent game yeah. speed and that's a long time and that's going all the way to next august pretty much at the end of training camp is when he might be cleared so i'm um, somewhat similar to honestly to you know something that we're just about to mention is uh jason barrett that he uh with emmanuel millsley going down has uh, is coming back from his own injury that, as you mentioned, he um, got injured in the first game of the season last year. And they are trying to be careful with bringing him back too soon um, because you can get exposed. Um, there's a difference between practice speed and game speed. So I want to make sure that we're, we're good there and that we're not um, putting the defense, you know, in a, in a bad situation. So so the watch there, I think they're going to see uh, how Jason is doing leading mm-hmm. up to Sunday and then seeing if they're going to activate him, put him on the 53-man roster or not. So they, with Verrett, we're in a three-week uh, timetable. Um, the team, once they, <clears throat> once he starts to practice, we have three weeks to put him on the 53-man. And um, if we don't, then um, he's, you know, going for the year yep so, so uh i'm sure the team is is very sure that he can come back um i don't know that he'll play this week um but yeah uh, he might be activated he, oh yeah agreed he might be activated just for depth as well like still give it to uh you know ambry thomas uh in, instead of emmanuel mosley ambry started at corner uh plenty of games last year as a as a rookie uh so we're still good there but you look at the depth chart the only people really behind them are dante johnson who's on the practice squad and if you want to move somebody over from nickel like diamador lenore or samuel womack so it becomes a depth issue of how much do you put yourself at risk do you bring jimmy just just for depth even though you you hopefully don't have to count on him um right I don't expect the Niners are always very safe with injuries. They keep players out a week longer than sometimes needed and necessary. And, and maybe that's the smart thing to do. I'm not a doctor, but I always want these guys playing. Um, so yeah, the injuries are taking its toll. There's just a lot of them. And, um, you know, Elijah Mitchell, now, Jeff Wilson has just stepped in and we, in a way, haven't missed a beat. You know, yeah. he had 120 yards, 17 carries. Um, he was averaging seven yards a, 
pop and um he, he's fast he's so, so fast yeah he's a, the last two weeks he's had one of the fastest runs in the league right 20, 20 miles an hour he's running 20 miles an hour if you can imagine right so, and he had that that 41 yard carry was yeah. beautiful he, he hits that hole so fast um and just boom he's gone and it's a, it just becomes uh just a, a running rate a track meet between pretty much him and the safety that's opposite tried opposite side of the field trying to catch up to him and he did right before he got to the end zone but but you love to see that you love to see that yeah so um so our defensive backfield is kind of banged up but the good news and i always look at this um, maybe we're getting a little far ahead of ourselves here, but as coaches do, they look at their next opponent to see <clears throat> where their strengths and weaknesses are. And Atlanta is a running team. They average 164 yards a game. So yep. they run the football and, and that's one of our many strengths. We're number two against the run. So, um, so that'll that'll be good, and what I'm saying here is that Marcus Mariota um, is going to run first and, and pass second. So, um, but the score changes that. I mean, there's you know if if Atlanta got way behind, then they're going to pass. But yeah, well they're they're known. Yeah, right now they're dealing with honestly their own set of injuries with Kyle Pitts. Um, he didn't play last game. Um, same thing with Cordell Patterson. They're starting running back, did not play. Um, I do not know the status of them for this game. Do we know, Grandpa, if they're going to be? Patterson is out for the year. Oh, Patterson's out for the year. Oh, my gosh, I missed for that. the year. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not, he won't, won't play again this year. Pitts did not play, and he hasn't been practicing. He's a really good tight end. Um, so don't know. Um, with you know three four days to go here, yeah. But um, yeah, so they, they, every team has injuries. It just seems every like ours, we have more. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I just pulled something up. It says that Pitts returned to practice yesterday and expects to play. Okay. So, um, that to me seems like a probable, but not definite. But, but yeah, Pitts, and the, I mean, their weapons right now are obviously Pitts. He is phenomenal. Um, Drake London is having a good year, uh, rookie out of USC. And then another rookie that they're now relying on with Cordell Patterson now is my boy Tyler Algier from BYU. Yeah, right. um, and he, he's a bruiser. Um, he runs fast. He runs head down. Um, uh, he's not the most shifty guy, but that guy has, has really good game speed. So he's somebody, somebody to watch. And then, of course, we all know um, watching him at Oregon um, and then kind of throughout the league, this is now his third team. Marcus Merida also has some legs. I saw a little bit of the game last week with um, Atlanta versus um, Tampa Bay, and yeah. he picked up some first downs. He can make you pay if you don't honor his legs. What was, what was also interesting about the Tampa-Atlanta game is Brady through 52 passes, you know? So again, when you look at, look at the numbers, that's Atlanta's weakness is against the pass. With Jimmy, I don't know that we're gonna, you know, pass, you know, tremendously, but right. um, that is definitely a weakness. 
Yeah, it should open some things up though, because um, I, and I think we will be a little bit more pass heavy than run heavy this time. Because once again, looking at what their weakness is, as you mentioned, they allow 278 yards passing per game, which is 29th in the league. So almost last. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think once again, comparing Tom Brady, knowing his system versus Jimmy Garoppolo, pretty similar. It's get the ball out quick, give your guys uh, a chance to make a play. Uh, Tom Brady likes to throw out into the flats a lot. And Leonard Fournette had a huge game uh, receiving and rushing, honestly. But right. I think we're, we'll see a lot of what, honestly fits nicely into Jimmy's strengths of get the ball out quick, get it to BA, get it to Debo, utilize, um, you know, Juwan Jennings on the third downs. He seems to always find a way to get open on third downs. And then George Kittle, and we have plenty of weapons for Jimmy to throw to. So I think this is, this is going to be a good game to see how good of a passing attack we can um, create and, yeah. and kind of game plan for. But another just another note, we were very concerned at the beginning of the season about our offensive line and the, the new guys, the center and the two guards, and then Trent Williams went down. So we technically have four very young players on the offensive line, and they've, they've played well. I mean, not perfect, but, um, you know, Jimmy's getting rid of the ball quick, which is very, very important. Yep. And um, he hasn't turned it over. So that's when Jimmy doesn't throw an interception, we win. I forget the numbers, but it's very, very high. It is. Yeah. His record without a turnover is like we win 90% of games. Yeah. So um, that's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah. So I will bring up, you know, before we get some, to some of our game predictions and, and things, uh, let's talk about uh, some of our Falcons Niners memories. I will okay. mention my favorite. I'm younger than you, so my my Rolodex is shorter of memories. <laughs> but, by 50 years. <laughs> by 50 years. Um, but my favorite one, just because it was such an epic play at an epic time, by one of my favorite linebackers, Navarro Bowman, ticket the stick, last game at Candlestick um, to send the Niners to the playoffs. Matt Ryan really was having a heyday, just thrown all over the field that game. And it was just like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And hits his guy, but he doesn't grab it. It bobbles it, it goes up in the air. Navarro Bowman is in stride, catches the ball and just has nobody in front of him um, and just, flies down the field and it was one of those things like is this seriously happening right now um i i wish i was there i have a friend that was there nate larson if you're listening to this um was at that game he wanted to go to a game at candlestick before they tore it down um and uh just said the place went crazy uh just such a huge moment um to send the niners to the playoffs right and that was um, a game that was very tight and Matt Ryan was driving Atlanta down the field with very little time left. Had they scored, they would have won. Yep. And I mean, so what was the game? And then Navarro Bowman did a flip into the end zone. That's and, right. You know, after 89 yards, um, he does a flip into the end zone. So that was, yeah, he was quite 
quite an athlete from Penn State and a Laurel Bowman. Yeah, he complimented Patrick Willis so well. We were really strong. Oh yeah, that was a good linebacker yeah. core right there. One of one of the best. Uh, and then there's there's you know we, Atlanta was in our division for many years, so we played them twice a year, especially. Atlanta um, became an expansion team in 1966. And so we were beating them regularly twice a year until they, you know, got, got better. They got Dion mm -hmm. um, and they had, you know, uh, forget the receiver's name. He was, um, anyway, he, so, so they beat us a couple of times and it was unexpected. They, you know, we were heavy favorites and here comes Atlanta. They just really started improving and Dion was doing his stick, you mm -hmm. know, showing off and everything and would um, go against Jerry Rice, which was just one of the old time classics, Dion oh, against Jerry Rice. And, and they both did well. Um, I did. I've seen some of those those battles, and they would just it was like watching a boxing match back and forth. One would make a play, and then the other would make a play, and one would make a play, and the other would make a play. Yeah. And then Dion joined the Niners in '94 for only one year. I wish we had him longer. He was so exciting. He was a defensive player of the year. I mean, yeah. And he he just was so good that he cut off half the field. Yeah. People just didn't throw in his, you know, his direction. So, um, but he still was defensive player of the year. So, yeah, a lot of memories with Atlanta. Um, another one, another one that actually my, my father-in-law Brad brought up was that uh, Steve Young's second to last game was against the Falcons in the playoffs. Obviously we talked about how he got hurt against the Cardinals um, but his, the game before that was in the playoffs, Niners were favored and yeah, Atlanta, um, as the underdog took them, took them down in a season that the Niners were, were firing on all cylinders and they, they couldn't, couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Well, there were, yeah, a number, I mean, we've been to the Super Bowl eight times or seven times, but, um, there were probably another six or seven that we could have gone. Yeah. Um, the biggest one was against the New York Giants when we were oh. three, three Pete and Roger Craig fumbled and they kicked a field goal right at the end and we lost 15 to 13. We, we talked about that one too. Eating up the clock and, and boy, did that turn. So, oh. yeah. Um, but we have lots of good memories too. In fact, it, in closing tonight, I'm going to share a story about Super Bowl 23, and um, and and my my personal experience. <laughs> so we'll get to that. Great. Well, um, let's do some game predictions. So, uh, as you mentioned, Sunday early kick. Niners are are staying on the East Coast, so I'm okay with that early kick but we are a little banged up, have a few players that are probable, including our kicker, um, but our defense matches up well with their offense. I'm going to say that the, the Niners should win this game. They are favored by five and a half points. I think they win by 10 points. I think it's going to be 
24 to 14. Okay, I like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I worry about our defense as good as it is, but we have lots of injuries. I, I think we will win. We should win. Um, and these are games you have to win. So at the end of the season, you know, playoffs and seedings, and it's all based on victories. So this, you can't give these away like we did the Chicago game and the Denver game. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll win. And my prediction is 27-21. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just that, that could happen. Um, I could see that as a very possible score. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think, you know, as far as keys to the game, uh, real quick, keys to the game, as we mentioned, are not turning over the ball. Uh, I think they are going to be looking for those turnovers, um, trying to expose Jimmy a little bit, especially with Jalen Moore, once again, left tackle, uh, third string, <laughs> um, really doing his best out there. I think they're really going to try to expose, uh, expose that and really get pressure on them, knowing that they, they give up uh, plenty of yards um, um, passing. And so the best way to, to act against that is to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think um, Jimmy getting the ball quick and preventing turnovers, being playing it safe, even if he has to throw it away or throw it into the dirt, uh, somebody's feet uh, is going is gonna to be key. And then on defense, of course, it's just um, also – you know, it's going to test our depth on the D-line. Um, and I, I expect the D-line to be able to keep up. That's why we invest so much in the D-line. But is to, to make them earn every yard is going to be big. Yeah. So Atlanta is a running team. They average 164 yards a game, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, we're a running team too, and we average 138. So Atlanta will run the ball. And I think we'll be very effective in stopping the run. Um, but Atlanta is real weak against the pass. So as we've kind of mentioned, mm -hmm. and, um, so they give up 278 yards a game, which is ranked 29th in the league. Um, so there are 32 teams. They're at the bottom as far as giving up passes, passing yards. Mm -hmm. um, so, and they're also, they give up, um, they're ranked 27th in total yards given up. Um, so teams are averaging 393 against Atlanta. So they don't have a good defense. Um, and like you said just a minute ago, Josh, the key is always don't turn the ball over. If we mm -hmm. don't turn it over, we will win. Yeah. Um, we also need to get some turnovers, and I really like how um, D'Amico Ryan's is, you know, he wants three or four a game. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, we, this is a game we should win, and, um, and we will win, so. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's going to be an exciting one. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, it should be a good game and an early kick. Uh, always funny to watch like football just a couple hours after you get up, um, start your day, but yeah. uh, it should be, it should be a good one. Um, all right. Well, as always, we always end with a, a fun story from grandpa as he's been a fan once again, since 1949. Grandpa, tell us about Super Bowl 23. Was it Super Bowl 23? 
23, yeah. So <clears throat> just a little background on, <clears throat> it was 1988, the season of 1988, and we were 10 and six in 88, um, kind of, a, it was a disappointing regular season. And then we played um, Minnesota in the first, our first playoff game and we won 34 to nine. And that got us an invitation to Chicago. Mm. And this was kind of, you know, we've heard about the 85 beers since 85 and Mike Ditka and everything. And um, so they were still the same team, but starting to deteriorate. Yeah. Yep. Go down, but still very good. They were 12 and four in 1988. We were 10 and six. So they got home field. And this is the NFC championship game. And then it turns out to be minus six degrees in Chicago. Wow. So, you know, these things are building up. And anyway, we went in Chicago and won 28 to three. It just dominated them. Um, it was great. And so what happened after the game, so my brother Tim in San Francisco called me um, just ecstatic that we won. And he said, Mike, let's go to the Super Bowl. Okay, no plans, no arrangements, no tickets, no nothing. I said, let's go. And so we were just so happy. And then you had to get time off work and, you know, stuff. The game is in two weeks. And of course, all the hotels are sold out. The rent-a-cars are sold out. You know, we're kind of Johnny come lately. But I... I'm very creative. And so um, I, I was gonna mention Tim living in San Francisco. I said, okay, Tim, you get the tickets to the game cause you're there, you know, and I will get the hotel and the car and we're going to the game. So we were really stoked, really excited. So the flights of course are full to Miami. So, um, working for an airline, I flew into Orlando, which is 260 miles north of Miami. Nobody thinks of this. You just got to think differently. And I flew first class all the way. And then I got out off the airplane. I went down to Hertz and with no reservation and rented a white Volvo station wagon. And I quickly put my 49er magnetic helmets on the, the, the front doors <laughs> and I drove to Miami. Now, as you're driving along and you've got the helmets, people are noticing you on the freeway and they're kind of pointing and, you know, and I'm just waving <laughs> and they think I'm sure like some team official, I'm just a fan. And so I've always believed that when you, if you have a car and there's no hotels, you can find a hotel. So I got to Fort Lauderdale, which is 23 miles um, north of Miami. And I started looking for a hotel, thinking we need to be near Miami because it's Tuesday. I'm sorry, um, it's Tuesday. And so I driving along and I forget the name of the hotel. It was big and it was really very nice. And it said vacancy. So I pulled over and went in and got a room. So I've got the room in the car and it's Tuesday. And then 
Um, I called my brother that night and told him, okay, I've done my part. How are we doing on the tickets? And he, he there was a, a lottery in San Francisco. Because he, he, he was a season ticket holder. That's correct. Part of it. So yeah. he, he was a season ticket holder. So he was eligible for this Super Bowl lottery. And of course, you never win. Well, he did win, but he only got one ticket. Okay, so they had two season tickets. He got one Super Bowl ticket. So we had one. And I had all the confidence in the world. I'm going to get a ticket. Now, in 1988, it's actually January of 89. Now, um, the face value of Super Bowl 23, the face value of the ticket was $100. I brought, my budget was 900. I brought nine $100 bills. And for the ticket, I didn't want to spend that, but I would if I had to. And so anyway, um, it's again Tuesday, and I get there, and then my brother flew in on Thursday morning on a charter out of Oakland. And so um, I'm sorry the story's so long, but it's really it, it's really good. Um, so I. I go to pick him up at the airport. In those days, you could go right to the gate. I was the first guy there. He was an all-night charter. He's going to land at 8 o'clock. And I got there at 7-something and went and got a cup of coffee and then sat in the <clears throat> at the gate. And um, this finally, this older gentleman showed up. I was the only one there. And, and he sits down. And after a few minutes, he comes over and he said, excuse me, is this where the 49er charter's coming in? I said, yes. And he said, oh, okay, good. And then he introduced himself and he was a reporter for the Miami Herald. And he said, can I interview you? And I said, absolutely, I'd love it. So anyway, he interviewed me and so I was in the paper the next day. And this was the beginning of this wonderful weekend. So then my brother came in, it's Thursday and we start hitting the hotels in Miami and, and looking for a ticket for me. Right. And um, I thought, no problem, we're gonna get one. We didn't. And it, 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 was, it was kind of funny because we'd walk into these, uh, you know, the, the, the nice hotels and the doorman would open the door and I would just say to the doorman, I need a Super Bowl ticket, is there any tickets? And it was probably like a drug deal. I've never done drugs, but um, you know, people are coming up to me within a minute. You know, you need a, need a ticket. Need a ticket. Again, hundred dollar face value tickets were twelve hundred, fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred, oh and I'm going. You're out of out of your mind. No way. And so for the first few days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, that's all we could find was these, you know, $1,500 tickets. So I said to my brother, I said, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to get there when the, the um, parking lot opens, which was at 11 o'clock. The kickoff was at five. And I said, I'll just walk around the stadium and I'll find a ticket. So we got there at 11 and I start walking around Joe Robbie Stadium at the time. Um, and uh, 
I, I'm everybody I passed, I'm saying, I, I need a ticket. Who's got a ticket? You got a ticket? You know, and nothing, zero. I mean, for like three hours. And I was now getting tired. I don't know how many times I walked around the stadium, but I, you know, I'm going, oh man, this isn't, this isn't working out. Occasionally I'd go back to the car where my brother and some other people were tailgating and they're just drinking to beat the band. And, you know, they'd go, would you get one? And I said, no, and this does not look good. And I started thinking, I'm, I've traveled all this way. Um, I'm going to end up watching this game on TV in somebody's RV in this parking lot. And it really made me mad, but I couldn't have worked harder. Right. So anyway, it's getting late and <clears throat> towards kickoff, it's probably an hour and a half before kickoff. So I went to the <clears throat> um, turnstiles where people are walking in and I stood, st I stood there and there was a guy at the gate next to me. So I went over to him. He was also looking for a ticket. And I said, so how much are you willing to spend? And he said, $500. I said, okay. So I was just kind of checking out the market yeah. um, in case it got competitive. So anyway, I'm standing there and as people are walking in, I'm asking, do you have an extra ticket? I need a ticket. Nothing, zero. And so so about an hour before the game, there were these six guys out about 25 feet from where I was, and they're motioning me to come over. Well, I, I don't know them, so I'm thinking they're not motioning me, it's somebody else, and they're going, and they start pointing to me. And so I went over to them, and um, <clears throat> so they said, you know, you need a ticket. I said, I do, I need a ticket. Um, and so they, they started questioning me as to, so where, where, where'd you live in San Francisco? What school did you go to? You know, all these questions. And I'm thinking, do I know these guys? And I look, I, I don't. So anyway, they hand me a ticket for free. Okay, and I, I was so excited and so happy I said to them, I said, look at this guy at this gate over here, he'll pay you $500. I'll pay you $500. And the guy went, no, no, just buy the beer. And so I go back to the car and I told my brother and he said, okay, I wanna meet these guys. So we, <clears throat> we go into the stadium, I'm in the upper end zone. My brother is in the lower end zone kind of below me. And it turned out these guys were with some company and they had brought a bunch of guests and somebody either got sick or no-showed. And um, it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. I mean, what a gift. So, and there's a little more to this story. Um, so this was the game that um, Joe Montana drove, you know, 90 plus yards in the last three minutes and 16 seconds to hit John Taylor with a 10 yard touchdown pass. And we beat Cincinnati at the, you know, at the, at the, at the buzzer, at the gun. But during the game, so I'm in the end zone and behind me is people are walking, there's a railing. And in the third quarter, somebody's tapping me on the shoulder. And so I turn around and it was ABC TV. 
And they said, can we interview you? So I said, sure, I'd love that. And so um, they did. And so I was on television. So I was in the paper. <laughs> now I'm going to be on television. So, um, you know, and then the Niners won the game right at the end. And it's one of the classics. And it, what a wonderful trip it is. But the lesson I learned in 1989, January of 89, is never go to a game without a ticket. <laughs> it was just, oh my goodness, it was grueling. I, I, I was convinced I am not getting in the stadium. But it turned out all great, I'm including the win. And um, so that's my Super Bowl 23 story. That's awesome. That's such a good story. I love that one. I still can't believe that that you were able to get a ticket for free to the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Yeah. But good for you. That was, and that was like an exciting game. Just as you were, you know, mentioning, talking about, I pulled that up, and that was a loaded Bengals team with Boomer and Chris Collinsworth, and um, they were good. Uh, they, Woods doing their they, were, they were twelve and four going going into the playoffs. Um, yeah. so they were a good team and the Niners, even though they had a subpar regular season, they pulled it off, um, with an epic, epic Joe Montana drive, uh, the first Super Bowl of many, um, super fun. Yeah. He, so just a couple other quick little notes. So at the beginning of the 92 yard drive with three minutes and 16 seconds left in the game, Joe, they huddle up. And Joe Montana sees John Candy in the stands and he says to the 10 other guys, look, there's John Candy. Now that's how relaxed he was. You know, there's three minutes left in the Super Bowl and you're trailing. Um, so, yeah, and then- Mr. Uh, Joe Cool. That's a, that's a- Yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. It's, it's, it was a classic drive and, and um, that's who he was. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's a great story, Grandpa. Well, thanks for sharing. Of course. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Before We Go. That's right. I wanted to say hello and aloha to Kapania and Kona, Hawaii, who listens to us uh, in the islands. He's, he's our captain out there in, in paradise. And uh, we you know, want to thank all the listeners whether you watch us on on YouTube or um, listen to us on on Apple so um, anyway I wanted to be sure to say hello to Capena Capena very good yes um, love love all the Niners fans out in Hawaii uh, love that poly connection that I, I feel like the Niners have so very very cool well, awesome. Thanks, Grandpa. Uh, you know, we, we always encourage your comments and suggestions. You can email us at 49ersfamilypodcast at gmail.com. That's 49ers with 49ERS familypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, until next time, go Niners. Go Niners.